And before I start into the vision, I just want to say this, that if you would have told me two years ago that I would be up here sharing the vision and helping share the vision for the church, I would have said, you're absolutely nuts. You're crazy. Because I don't like to speak in front of people and I'm not going to do it. That's what I would have said. But it's, it's amazing what God can do when you give him your yes. And I was sharing this with the first service, but my life has been a progression of giants being slayed. And I was getting this picture of just, you know, looking back on my life and I see these giants that have fallen. Giants of addiction, alcoholism, all these things. And a couple years ago it was fear. Fear was keeping me back from giving God my yes. And when I started to move into that and say, Lord, I'm just giving you everything. You're too good for me to hold back my life to you. I began to see that giant fall. And I feel like just for our church prophetically, this is a year you're going to see giants slayed in your life, in your story. Come on. This is a year of giants falling. And those things that have been holding you back from your purpose are not going to hold you back any longer. God is doing amazing things. So before I start preaching the wrong message, I'm going to start into the vision. We believe that 2024 is a year of realignment in the church body here. A year that God is aligning us with his heart and his vision for our city and our church. We, when we talk about vision, we're not a typical church that is going to write down the five things we're going to do this year and mark off a box like, oh, we did this, this, and this. We are, when we talk about vision, we're talking about his vision. We're talking about, Lord, what do you have? What did you dream when you saw CFTN? What was your dream? What was your dream when you saw Phoenix, Arizona? What was your heart? What was your dream for our families, for our church? When we talk about vision, we, we are talking about walking into his vision, not creating our own vision. God has a vision for every one of you. You don't have to create your own vision and your own purpose. It's waiting for us. So as a church this year, I got this picture when, when we were praying about this in John 13, 23 through 26. I'm going to read this. I believe this is a picture of what God is doing in our church right now. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was leaning against Jesus' chest. So Simon Peter mentioned, motioned to him and asked of whom he was speaking. Then leaning back against Jesus' chest, he asked him, Lord, who is it? See, there was 12 disciples, but there was one disciple that seemed to get closer than all the others. And John was leaning against Jesus' chest. And I kept feeling the Lord put on my heart, saying, Matt, my church has not been close enough to hear my heartbeat. But in this season, God is bringing his church near him again. And we're leaning against him and we're saying, God, what is your heartbeat? We don't want to do things that you're not passionate about. We don't, we don't want our vision to be our vision. We want to hear what's beating in your heart. That's what we, when we're talking about vision, we're talking about leaning against his chest. And as we've been leaning, the, the last part of 2023, leaning against God's heart, this is what we kept hearing. We kept hearing that his passion is for the lost. There's nothing that beats in God's heart more passionately than to reach those that don't know him. There's a lot of things we can do in church. There's a lot of things we can do as Christians that are all good things. But there is a driving force in the Father's heart to reach those that don't know him. God has a passion for Phoenix, Arizona. God is burning with a passion for Phoenix, Arizona today. 
and we want to join him in his vision. There's a great story in Luke 15. All of you guys have heard the parable of the lost sheep, but I'm going to read it. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons, righteous persons who do not need to repent. There is joy in heaven when one person, why is there so much joy in heaven when one person comes to Christ? Because the Father's heart is full of joy. Last week, I think we had 100 salvations. Come on. Come on. Can you imagine in heaven, like they can't stop rejoicing because CFTN just keeps bringing people, bringing people into the kingdom. But I'm picturing this where God's moving us from a Sunday soul winning church to a Monday to Saturday. Come on. Where it's not, it's not an altar call where a pastor is preaching the gospel, but it's you. That God is empowering us as a church to start sharing our testimony. To start sharing the gospel to those around us. The last point I want to share is this before I, I pass off to my wife. Is that God needs you. Can you look at your neighbor and say that? But say it like you mean it. God needs you. Listen to this phrase before I close. We can't do anything without God, but God won't do anything in the earth without us. God won't do anything in the earth without us. God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. And I think this is wild that God has, God has set this whole thing up around us. He said, I'm not going to do anything on the earth without a man or a woman to do it through. God is depending on us. God is looking for partners for this harvest that we've been prophesied about. There is a harvest, but God needs a partner. And this partnership is not a 50-50 partnership. So don't let, me get, don't let me confuse you today. This partnership is a 99 to 1. Come on, this is not us. This is Christ in us. This is not us. This is just you saying, this is all, all you are doing is saying, God, I give you my life. I make myself available today. And then 99% of the work and the power is the Lord coming in and saying, that's all I needed. I just needed a partner. I needed a yes. Are you guys excited about this year? It's going to be an amazing year. Can you welcome my, my wife, Pastor Candace? You know, I want to talk for a second about what happens in the church when we're not winning souls. What does that look like for us? And I think that when that happens, we begin to lose a bit of the joy and wonder that comes from new believers. You know, there's something so special about kids. And I was thinking about this yesterday when we were praying through this today. And my husband really dislikes Disneyland. <clears throat> like really, it would be his, like the lowest option for us for a family vacation. But he's such a good dad because we have four kids and they love Disneyland. It's like their favorite thing. And so he patiently goes to Disneyland. We've, we've tortured him. I think we go almost yearly. And he's so patient with them because there's a joy that comes inside of us when we get to watch our children experience something new. 
particularly when they're little, right? When they're young, the joy and wonder that comes across a little child when they're doing something for the first time, it's a little bit contagious, right? Like you feel like you're experiencing it right along with them. That's what the church is missing when we don't have new converts coming through the doors. We have a dream for 2024 that this building is full, overflowing, service after service, and not with believers from other churches. Don't misunderstand me. If you're here from another church, we're so glad you're here with us today. But our goal is to have the, the doors open, flooding with people who have never experienced the love of Christ before. I had this thought when we were worshiping today. Man, gosh, our worship is just, it's so incredible. I don't know how you can be in this room and not be so moved by the Holy Spirit when we're in this environment. But I had this thought, what would it look like for us, Pastor Mike, don't get any ideas because I don't know if this is legal. But what would it look like for us if we literally opened our doors during worship? Because pastor tells us all the time that our worship, that it influences the city, right? That it goes out from this room and it influences the city. So what would happen if we opened our doors and while we were worshiping, chains that were breaking down Central and down Glendale and down Bethany began to draw people in. I hope we would not shy back. I hope if drug addicts and gang members and anyone else that heard our worship came into this building, that we wouldn't shy back, but that we would erupt with joy that this place would erupt with joy because the gospel still has the same power that it had 2,000 years ago. It still has the same power to save. It hasn't changed. We don't have to water it down for our culture. We don't have to make it cute and tie it up in a bow. The power of God to save hasn't changed. We're supposed to be a birthing center. My husband had this awesome example of you know, when you're having a baby, when you're in the hospital, there's this beautiful sound that's played. And I think it's just Rockabye Baby, but it's so special because when a mom delivers a baby in a hospital, they play this music every time. We've, we've done this four times. We've spent a lot of hours in the labor and delivery unit and heard this go off every time. And there's this pause in the building and it's like, oh. That's new life. That's new life that has just been brought into the world. And our hope is that we're a church that when new life is brought into the building, that we pause and we live in the expectation of heaven. Because heaven is on the edge of their seat, expectant, waiting for new believers to come. So what do we have to do? We have to get our joy back. So this is a year for us where CFTN people, you, are going to be so full of joy. You're going to be overflowing with joy. So that when you walk around, have you ever been around a depressed Christian, like a sad Christian? It's not very inspiring, right? We want our countenance to reflect the joy of the Holy Spirit, your testimony, the word that God has given you, the things that he's done in your life should be so exciting to you that you can't contain it. So Psalms 51 is gonna be our verse for the year. Psalms 51, 12 and 13, restore to me the joy of our salvation 
your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. The joy of the Lord in our life is what allows our life to be a contagious thing, a contagious resource that God has given us. You know, laughter is contagious. Like, you ever got the giggles? We have three girls, so like, you got the giggles? I want to show this video. Hopefully it's not just cute because it's our kid. Hopefully you think it's, if you don't, just pretend that you think it's cute because it's our kid. But this is when Dakota is like, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. And literally they were just on a walk and Roman was throwing rocks. Like nothing very exciting. Like literally just tossing pebbles in the creek. And this is her reaction. Media. <laughs> what is he doing? Is he making you laugh? <laughs> is Roman making you laugh? What's he doing? <laughs> is that funny? Is that funny? <laughs> is that funny? Oh, is that so funny? <laughs> is that so funny? This may go on for a while. I don't know. Oh, man. It's really hard to be around someone who's joyful and happy and not have a little bit of that rub off on you. So our challenge to you this year is to help us fill this room, for you to leave this place and to overflow with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse real quick in Psalm 67. It says, God, keep us near your mercy fountain and bless us. When you look down on us, may your face beam with joy. Send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover your ways, know who you are, and see your power to save. Our heart behind everything that we do here, from my church, my family, family Sundays, our classes, our services, everything we do is to simply provide a resource for you to be able to have something to invite people to, to invite them into. So we created like a modern day track card called the Gospel Card. And we're gonna have these available to you and on the front is a QR code. You can carry them in your pocket. The QR code takes them to a very simple video of the Gospel explaining the gospel. Have you ever tried to share the love of Jesus with someone and like totally froze and all of a sudden like you can't even remember John 3:16? It's happened to all of us. So this is your resource. There's scripture on the back. It's very simple. And this is a way for you if there's an opportunity in your life where God opens a door for you to speak, you have something to help you where you don't have to have all the answers. We're gonna come alongside each other as a body of believers. We're gonna fill this place. We're gonna be a, a place that erupts with joy. Amen? Joy 2024? All right. Thank you, that was awesome, Pastor Candice. You know how we sang, I won't be quiet, my God is alive, how could I keep it inside today? Well, I just want to encourage you, that's what you need to do. You can be supernaturally natural with sharing the gospel. You know, I love going uh, to TJ Maxx. Yes, I'm a Maxinista. I love going to TJ Maxx. So I was there the other day, and there was this giant of a man 
in line. And I don't know why I'm fascinated with really tall people. I love to go next to them, to get my picture with them, to just, I don't know, see how little I am and how big they are. So I just struck up a conversation with them. I'm like, I bet you used to play NBA basketball. Yes, yes, I play with Chicago Bulls. And he's six foot 10. And I'm like, could I please get my picture with you? And he's like, of course, he was so kind and he was just so gracious. And so I got my picture with him and then I got to share with him how we're pastors and what we do. And he actually commentaries at Grand Canyon sometimes. I told him about Pastor Moises. So Pastor Moises, wherever you are, he's gonna be looking you up. Oh, there. So I told him all about you. He was very interested. And his name is Scott Williams. I put it on my Instagram and you can see how tall he was. And um, I just wanna encourage you, you can just do that as you go. You know, it's much easier to go along your day and not to say anything to anyone, right? I mean, we're busy, we have lots of things to do. It's just easier, and for a long, a long time I did that. I just didn't really speak out a lot to people because I thought, I'm, I'm going places, I'm doing things, I'm busy. But the Lord wants to say something to everyone. And why? Because people's hearts are breaking. You know, there's so much sadness in the world and so much heartache that people are going through, and they need to know there's a God that loves them. So I was at an appointment the other day, and at the end of it, this lady, who I don't really know very well at all, I said to her, you know what? I love to pray for people if they have a burden in their life, if something's going on that's really bothering them. Is there anything I can pray with you, you know, about, or take with me and then pray with you? And she says do you really want to know? She looked at me, do you really want me to go there? And she said, I said, yes, tell me. And she said, my husband has multiple sclerosis. His name is Ted, and if you would keep him in your prayers. I thought to myself, you know, we don't really know what people are going through, what kind of a burden that must be to live with, with your husband having that, you know? So I said, okay, I'll pray. And I started walking out, and then I said, okay. And I went back and I said, can I pray with you right now? The step further, you know, the more uncomfortableness, one step further. And she said, yes, you can. So I grabbed her hand, I prayed, I got to share with her about how Jesus heals today still, people from diseases and everything. Grabbed her hand and prayed with her and at the end she looked at me and she says, thank you, that was so beautiful. That's all people need. They just need to feel the love that someone cares, first of all. The Lord cares, but that he wants to use you. You can just be a vessel, you know? And so just practice that. Say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with someone this week something, just your love. I remember when we were with Pope Francis a few years ago, and I call him my Pope Francis because I was raised Catholic, so sorry. So my Pope Francis said, just be friendly to your neighbors, wave, say hello, engage with them, be a friend, see if they need anything. And I love that about my Pope Francis. Anyway, um, the last scripture I want to share is from Amos. And it says, and this is chapter 9, and I believe this is for 2024. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like worn wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people. This is for us 
<clears throat> and he's going to use you to do this. Amen? Amen. And now we save the best for last. Pow, pow. Here is Pastor Mike, the one and only. Thank you, honey. I thank you. Pope Francis thanks you. And uh, I am so proud of my wife, who is really a great soul winner. And uh, reminds me, uh, Deborah Knepter's birthday is this week. She's, if you go somewhere with Deborah, she's going to embarrass you by how bold she is about her witness for Jesus. And uh, just shining for Jesus. Just want to close up with a, just the same theme. And, you know, 100 folks were, came to Christ, at, at least, in this service last week. And 50 were water baptized. And just God's doing amazing things. We're humbled and grateful and excited, and we want more. We want more because there are still more people in this city that don't know Jesus than know Jesus. And Phoenix is now the fifth most unchurched city in the United States of America. That is primarily because of the tremendous influx of hundreds of now millions of people. So the church has not grown in a commensurate way to that kind of increased growth. But it's an opportunity for us to see God do great things and for evangelism. So in John chapter 4, Jesus, uh, it is the best and a great example of personal evangelism. So Jesus is thirsty. He asked a woman at the well for a drink. He begins a natural conversation. So the best way to talk to someone is not just jump in their face and say, you're going to hell. I can help you. It's like get to know them, get to know their name, talk about their life, just be normal. I talk about sports when, I, when I'm on airplane. Then I talk, you know, I talk, oh, that I, it's not hard to talk about Jesus. I can, I can bring any topic back to Jesus. Well, did you know the, that that quarterback's a Christian? Just like me, are you? You know, just... Great stuff. And Jesus wins this woman. She races down. The whole city comes up. The whole city of Samaria comes. And the disciples come back. And Jesus is in the euphoria that ministry, ministering the Father's heart, like Matthew said, to others brings. The euphoria, the joy. And he says in verse 35, John 4, 35, don't you guys say, isn't it a colloquial phrase there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. See, the church world, religion by just historic practice, is so good about postponing to tomorrow things God could do today. And so, I like to say revival's not coming, revival is here. We had a heart of folks saved last week, 50 baptized. Well, the Sundays will come when a thousands are, are saved. And the because we're, we're still believing. But Jesus said, don't you guys say, he, but he said, but I say to you, lift up your eyes. There it is. Lift up your eyes and see the fields are already white unto harvest. For a service, we have a family here that winters in Arizona from Iowa. I think they have a 4,000 acre farm. And when it's harvest time, you can't miss that moment. They get out those great big turbines and they go through those fields, passing all those acres, miles of farm. If you miss the moment of harvest, you lose the crop. 
And Jesus said this, I've done what you couldn't do because I saw what you didn't see. When we can see what other people can't see, we can do what other people can't do. And the example there is so powerful because the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies. The Samaritans were looked down on by Jewish people and by Gentile people because they were half Jewish and half Gentile. And they were discriminated against. There was open racial prejudice. In fact, it was accepted to be a racist against the Samaritans at the time of Christ. That's why Christ kept using the Samaritans as examples. And, and, and so Jesus said, you didn't think it was possible because you have a prejudice against these people. And then there's religious prejudice. The Samaritans' belief system was kind of a quasi-Judaism, but it was, it was rejected by Orthodox Jews. And so they were religiously discriminated against. And then Christ used a woman. Jesus broke every wall there was in the world at that time. And he showed his disciples, if you can just see through heaven's perspective, you can do miracles in this world. Miracles happen when, when Mary and I were first married here in 1979. I was the associate pastor at East Valley Christian Center, and Bill Montino was the senior pastor. But, I, I, but my, my position was a non-salary, a volunteer position. So I got a job at ITT Courier in Tempe, a large electronic plant. So they made the original uh, computers, kind of computers for McDonald's, those, the, the first, first kind of example of computers. And, it was such a culture shock because I went from Christian high school to seminary and then I went to working in a very secular environment. And it shocked me. I came home every day for six months and I had fallen to my wife's arm and said, honey, I feel like I'm a lot living in Sodom. All they do is cuss. All they do is, all they do, is do horrible things. They make fun of me because I'm a believer because they, they knew I was a preacher. And all these things, and every day I'd come home, and I, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there and get into the ministry. And after six months, beautiful Mary said to me, well, maybe if you change your attitude, God would let you leave. <laughs> well, all I heard was leave. <laughs> so I went into my prayer closet. My prayer closet was our literal closet in our tiny apartment. And I said, Lord, am I missing something? And he says, yeah, ministry is not a pulpit, it's people. And you keep longing for the pulpit, and you're working with 2,000 sinners I want saved. And so I went back to work the next day, chastised by truth. But now, with a heavenly vision. I walked around those plants like a general, these big, two big buildings. I claim every soul in this building for Jesus. I claim every drug addict, every adulterer, every, every, every other, I claim them all. And so my first convent was the campus drug dealer. Now it's, the, it's hard to describe the 70s. But he had an afro, a beard, a mustache, and sunglasses. He was all hair and sunglasses. You couldn't tell there was a face there. And so, but he was a hurting young man that was so open to the gospel. He got radically Holy Ghost 
transformed state. So I didn't tell him to. He goes home, he gets a haircut, shaves off his beard. Comes back to work, they won't let him in because his picture doesn't match his face. Who are you? Well, next thing I know, part of his clients get saved. And so we, they said, can you, can you please teach us the Bible? So at lunchtime, I'm teaching like five guys the Bible. And then, and then, and then we got 10 saved. And then 15 got saved. And I needed like three tables in the lunchroom. And then we got 20 and 25. And when I hit 30, the president of this company called me into his office. He said, young man, I said, yes, sir, are you starting a cult? No, I'm, I said, these people are finding Christ, and they're going to stop stealing from you. I don't know if you know, but everyone in there is ripping you off blind. And they did, stuffing their pockets with electronic pockets. It was, it was horrible. And I said, they're going to become your best employees. We won't read our Bibles on, on company time. We will put in a full day's work, and you'll want your whole company to be like what these young people are. I maxed out, we maxed out about 45, maybe 50. 50, next thing I know, my job was to pass out parts because I had a degree in theology. I didn't know anything about electronics and I'm working at an electronics plant, so I'm passing out parts for all the technicians and engineers. Next thing I know, they promote me to upper management as the, the planner's schedule to control the work schedule for 2,000 people. And God kept giving me favor. Now, here's my point. I could have missed one of the greatest ministry assignments of my life because I was blind to a heavenly, vis to a heavenly vision. And Jesus said, man, if you can just see the fields, they're ready. If you can just, what, what Beautiful Mary said is so true. Isolation's not good for people. COVID has hurt the world. And people are hurting normal, all people, there's not even a full recovery yet of relational kinds of communities. And people kind of long for connectedness. And when you reach out to people, lovingly, like Candace said, with joy, when you do that, like Matthew said, with boldness, when you do that, man, they're going to respond. They're, they're interested in what you have to bring them. A couple more verses, Zechariah 4, Zechariah has a series of visions and in chapter 4, he's having one of these visions. An angel's kind of leading him through it. He says this, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who's wakened out of his sleep. And the angel said, What do you see? See, I don't believe Zechariah was physically asleep. He was spiritually asleep. And we miss what God wants to do when we're not seeing the vision of something that is in the heart of God. I've been with beautiful Mary many times on an airplane or something, she'll elbow me, get a word for that person. And I'm like, almost every time I'm going to D uh, Dallas this week and last week I was in California. So I'm, every time I get an airplane, I'm tired. I usually, I actually use uh, flying to catch up on my sleep. It's true, I just, like a baby, engine starts, I'm gone. 
I've never had the Lord say to me, she's done that to me dozens of times. The Lord's never said to me, no, I don't have something for that person. And it's, it, you'd be shocked from politicians to actors, the crazy amount of things that have happened. So God wakes us up. We, we, we want to see through God's eyes. We want to see through God's eyes. We want to have a vision for this year, a vision for our, listen, I don't care how goofy your family is. God wants you to see them saved. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, but my family's really goofy. It's okay. God's really good about saving goofy people. Look at me. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, no revelation, the people cast off restraint. They perish, the Bible says. In the Old Testament, the word for vision, main word is chazon, C-H-A-Z-O-N in, in English. And chazon means prophetic revelation, oracle, a dream. And the ancient spelling of the alphabet that makes up the words that make up chazon in Hebrew is the picture of an axe cutting through a wall. And chazon means what is seen when the limitations are removed. Now you and I, come on, stay with me, just five minutes. You and I belong to a different world. I'm in this world, I'm not of this world. I have citizenship in another kingdom. I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. The spiritual part of me has eyes, has ears. Paul talks about that a lot in the New Testament. And so I have access to see things spiritually that people that are not saved can't see. And I don't want to miss what God would show me from that world. That world made this world. God spoke, God who is spirit, spoke the universe into existence. His vision spoken through his word. And God wants us to speak our vision and declare his word to be done. In Genesis chapter 13, right after Abram separated from Lot, there are some people that can't go where you're going. When God takes them away, it's not a punishment, it's a preparation for what's next. In the Bible, after Lot left him, God took Abram to a mountain. And on top of that mountain said, now look from this place, from where you are, north, south, east, and west, all the land you see. I give to you and your descendants forever. God said, see, Israel was given to Abram a long time ago. All the land you see. Now, here's the thing in the kingdom. If you can see it, you can have it. God does not show us things to increase our information. God shows us things he wants us to experience. See your family saved. See your body healed. See your marriage blessed. See your business blessed. What kind of vision does God want for you this year? He wants to show you his heart, like Pastor Matthew said, so good. He wants us to hear the heartbeat of heaven. Souls, 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 souls. Yes, he wants us to hear the, the, whole, the whole expression of our life to be filled with redemptive purpose and vision. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out on the day of Pentecost, and Peter said, these guys aren't drunk. It's only 9 a.m., but this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. It will come to pass, says God, 
In the latter days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Everybody shout prophesy. Your young men see vision. Everybody shout vision. Your old men dream dreams. Shout dreams. Visions, dreams. So, so Peter, didn't, he didn't even mention speaking in tongues here, which was the thing that brought the whole city's interest to what was happening. He said, here is the number one function of the Holy Spirit, is to talk to you about your future, your destiny, and God's plan for your life through prophecy, visions, and dreams. So we have access to the Holy Spirit to keep showing, seeing, and then living what God has for us. When we've, Pastor Bonnie Lloyd is one of the greatest mich, missionologists I've ever known, and she's a part of our church. We're very blessed. And when, when we first started our church, Pastor Bonnie, 20 years ago, I named it Church for the Nations because I thought, well, that's a great commission. But through the years, we've had church, we've, we've reached out through Pastor Bonnie and outreach to probably 15 different refugee groups that have relocated here through the government and had church in eight or nine or ten different languages because God helped us see our name was our purpose. And we have dozens, if not a hundred nationalities in our church membership. It's crazy here. God's made our name come to pass. It's, he's fulfilled it. And for us as believers now, what does God want to do in your story this year? See things differently. Lastly, in Mark chapter 10, I have to tell this story. I know you guys hear, hear it all the time. I was flying from L.A. to Seattle and uh, probably 92, 91, and I'm tired and like I said, I have the annoying to sleep. God wakes me up and said, I want you to share a word with the guy next to you. I look over, there's a long-haired guy. He has holy jeans before they cost $300. <laughs> and he has a t-shirt on and he has sandals on. I, I'll never forget, I was semi-traumatized by how much hair was on his feet. He had hairy toes. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little grossed out. And the Lord starts talking to me. And here's what the Lord said to me. Tell him he just signed a contract in 90 days. He'll be worth eight figures. I gave him a favor. He's a non-practicing Jew. And then, then some personal things about his life. So I looked at him. I said, are you, are you sure, Jesus? <laughs> because what I see is different than what you see. I see a guy that can't afford shoes. And that could use a pair of slacks. So I, 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 I obey the Lord, sometimes reluctantly, but I almost always do it. So I share, hey, would you mind if I shared something with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tell him all that, he stares at me. And then he says, I'm a Harvard-educated lawyer. His first sentence just humbled me. I went to Life Bible College. Same thing, right? He said, I'm the president of this record label. We just signed the largest rock and roll band. It's either seven or ten records. My bonus in 90 days, I think he said it will be $11 million. Then is where I was trying to get him to join my church. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
have you heard of tithing, sir? <laughs> and we're landing in Seattle. He is praying to receive Yahshua HaMashiach as his Messiah. Now, here's my point. I would have easily missed a miracle by not seeing him with God's eyes, seeing a heavenly perspective. God, help us to see. It's so easy to criticize people. We criticize all kinds of people, people that are in the culture and prominent places. But I got to, I got to minister this past week to a prominent uh, name. You would all know it. And um, I felt nothing but oceans of love for this person. And then God gave me a word of knowledge that was so accurate, it shook everything up. God wants, God wants us to open our eyes. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is in a journey. And Jesus is so surrounded by people, it's like a mob. Here's this mob of people, Jesus in the center of it. And a man is begging by the road in Jericho named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus, when he heard it was Jesus, shouted out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And the people around Jesus turned to the man and said, please shut up. But he refused to shut up. He shouted loud, this is your year to overcome the intimidating factors that are trying to stop your voice and silence your voice. He shouted loud, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stood still. He called for Bartimaeus. The same people that just had told him to shut up. Now say, the master calls for you. And him casting aside his beggar's robe. He cast aside the robe that was a public acknowledgement that he was legally and properly allowed to ask for alms as a blind person, as a disabled person. He cast it aside because he knew he'd never need it again. Let it go, you don't need it. The blanket you wrapped yourself up, the behavior you used to carry yourself through a tough season, you don't need that no more. Jesus is calling for you. Come on, you don't need that drug, that bottle. You don't, you don't need that no more. Let it go. So they bring in the Jesus. He is apparently, obviously, visibly blind. And Jesus says nine words to him. What do you want me to do for you? The first time I read, I read that, like, Oof. That's almost rude. His need is apparent. The Lord said to me, you don't understand. I don't heal people because they have a need. I heal them because they have faith. Ah. What do you want me to do for you? Nine great words. By the way, those words will save your marriage. <laughs> Sweetheart, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> the first like four years of our marriage, I bought her things I thought she'd want. I know you're going to love this. She was so kind to, oh yeah, yeah. Throw it in the closet. Then she'd give me, here, here's what I'd really like. like. But now after 45 years, she goes and buys things and then comes home and tells me what I bought her. <laughs> Look what you got me. Oh, wow. We're really advancing the, what do you want me to do for him? He said, that I may see. And Jesus healed him. And the first thing he did was follow Jesus down the road. 
I declare God's giving you a vision for this year. And you're going to follow down the road with clarity, with definition, with insight, with prophetic discerning. Come on, just lift up your hands and say this out loud with me. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving me heaven's vision for my life for this year. I thank you in advance for speaking to me, opening my eyes, guiding my feet every day of this year in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to all of us. Would you please stand to your feet? Prayer team, join me down front.